So, Father God, I do welcome you. I thank you that through the shed blood of Jesus, you have so cleansed us and so forgiven us that the Holy Spirit can dwell in our midst without needing to incinerate us. And that you've made us worthy by grace. You've made us pure by grace. You've made us clean by grace. And now we can be a worthy temple of your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can come as friend and guide and leader and coach. And I'm so grateful. And I pray that you would help each one of us to see the invisible works of God. And to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been thinking about rioting for the last few days. And mobs and stuff like that. Um, there's a, like a big event happening in Iran right now with some rioting and buildings being burnt down. And maybe I'm just getting older, but I'm at the point that if you don't, if you only heard about a country when the problems happened, but you don't know anything about what's happened in the last like three or four years of that country, you don't know enough to, to judge what's going on, okay? We, we're, we live in a Star Wars world where we want to be able to sit down and in the first three minutes of the movie, we want to know who's Darth and who's Leia and all the moral choices are done there. Like the stormtroopers are bad, the rebels are good for some reason. Usually in the real world, the rebels are not that great. Uh, they're not that great, but whatever. But we just want, we don't want to take more than five minutes to know who we're supposed to, to support and who we're supposed to condemn. In the real world, it's complicated. And it usually takes a long time to know enough to be able to know something about anything. Anyhow, there are big rides happening and you hear about it and... It's just been making me think about other riots that have happened in the last few years and mobs of people um, feeling hurt, feeling angry, burning a, a building down, burning a city down, um, tearing down statues, stuff like that. Does anybody remember? I know we're, we're trying to pull some forced amnesia on ourselves here and not remember. Uh, anybody's life changed recently because of mobs and riots and uh, stuff like that? My alone. And it happens. It happens. And sometimes sometimes you're in Canada and you don't necessarily get a riot. You just get a bunch of like truckers in Ottawa honking. But for some people, that's enough to break the law in crushing them. And whether you were for or against, something crazy happened there. Even though, if you just know history, and I'm not, I'm not picking sides, but just as somebody who knows a little bit about history, that was the biggest peaceful protest of all time. It was the biggest peaceful protest of all time. But didn't necessarily get treated like it was. Now everyone got real quiet. So I'm thinking about this stuff. Age on I'm thinking about burning down buildings. I'm thinking about um, rage on display. <laughs> Not that way. Oh. <laughs> this is my point, though. 
This is exactly my point. Thank you for laughing. This is exactly my point. How come when a pastor talks about burning down buildings, you know he's not going to do it? Right? You don't know that's where you're laughing. Some of us are quite new here, actually. We're still figuring you out. I'm not... You know what? I'm so, like, practically clumsy that even if I decided to do it, it would, the headline would just be, like, Pastor Destroys Own Vehicle in Attempted <laughs> Arson. Everyone besides me would be perfectly safe. But I'm thinking about this stuff, and... I'm wondering and thinking about, because there's always, a, there's usually an event, right? And often a person that has been hurt. This is what I ran. There was a woman who was in prison and died in prison. And the uh, a population is so like hurt and offended and sick of it that they're maybe bringing about regime change. And you don't know what other all politics are involved in that. And I'm just wondering, like, Jesus is our favorite person. However, when he was wrongfully executed, and today when he is wrongfully, it would be wrong to burn down buildings in response. And the apostles never burned down any buildings, and the disciples never rioted, even though the early disciples were living with the leaders that killed Jesus. But it never entered their minds to go and mob anybody or burn down Jerusalem. History fact, Jerusalem was burned down, but God took care of it. But this is what I'm thinking about. In a world that more and more often is is welcoming political violence, which that often is, and justifying it and actually wanting to participate with it, how come we, if you know your Bible, it doesn't even like enter your head to do that on behalf of the Christ when he is mistreated? Fair question? You know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Like, huh, you can watch movies and people will say the worst things about Jesus, but we would never just go and like burn down their Hollywood mansion, even though you know if you did, it would rescue some children from being abused in that place. And it has to do with God and the eternal spirit. So you're going to have to keep up with me a little bit. I'm trying to pull off something big here. In the end, I'm just going to end up advocating for Christians doubling down on wanting to encourage each other in the faith. This is where we're going. A big pitch to show up to the post-Thanksgiving meals and love somebody with potatoes and gravy and all that good stuff. That's where we're going to end up. It's just going to take me three hours to get there. But we got children's ministry, so you got no excuses. In love. And they were also televised. So you can even go home and pick up the second half. (laughs) So let's read a passage from the Word of God. This is from Hebrews. And I've 
just, I just, I just want to be so, I want to have integrity here, okay? When you see a dot, dot, dot up there, I'm skipping over some verses. But the reason I feel I have to do this is that the author of Hebrews is right in the middle of one of the most complex arguments in all of Scripture. Where he's trying to pull together like a few thousand years of what God has done. And Greeks tended to love super long sentences. And I'm trying to just give you the best part. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm just trying to keep the focus on what I want you to see. But this is what it says. But when Christ appeared, he entered once for all into the holy places, meaning when he died and rose again and went up to heaven, the holy place of the throne room of heaven, by means of his own blood, that's the cross and his crucifixion and death, thus securing an eternal redemption. Okay? For if the blood of goats and bulls, talking about Old Testament worship, and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, it's talking about Leviticus, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, the Father, I, I put that in there just so we're just seeing the Trinity in action again, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, so the big idea here is that in the Old Testament times, worshipers would come and they'd bring some kind of animal and they know they had sin and they know they were unclean and especially the Levites. So they were perpetually bringing animals so that those animals could be sacrificed and the Levites and the priests would take the blood and they would sprinkle people with it so that a shed blood, a dead life would then ransom a guilty life from just punishment from a holy God so that they could stand in God's presence as a friend instead of being destroyed in God's presence as an enemy. But in the New Testament, it became clear that it wasn't working and it didn't work and the the blood of those goats wasn't actually doing it. That's why they had to keep doing it over and over and over again. But when Jesus came, he shed his blood in a similar way, except this time it worked so powerfully that it ended ever needing to do it again. Now this is what I'm thinking here, okay? In the flesh, in history, Jesus was arrested wrongfully, beaten wrongfully, tortured wrongfully, condemned wrongfully, and crucified wrongfully, and died wrongfully. But, because he did it through the eternal spirit, as an offering to God, instead of provoking endless wrath from his followers, he brought endless peace to his followers. And so this is what I'm thinking about here. This is the difference. If Jesus were alive and a leader of a faction that was a billion people strong, and he was treated today like he was treated back then, we would, you know, if we were in the flesh, want to destroy everybody and everything. But because Jesus was doing something completely different in the Spirit unto the Father, his death produces life instead of his death producing more death. And it's because of this, I'm looking at this phrase here, the eternal spirit. And what I think is going on here is, 
when the author of Hebrews is putting that word eternal in there, he's saying, because Jesus just did everything in obedience to the Father by the power of a spirit who is working on a project that was started before he even said, let there be light, that was supposed to have consequences that endure on forever in the new heavens and the new earth, the meaning of what Jesus was going through was completely opposite to what everyone was seeing. Are you tracking with me here? Like, we are nuts people. I've been listening to some church history stuff, and Christians in the 170s, so about 150 years after Jesus died, they were getting the, the, the smack tortured out of them because the Roman officials were like, you're a bunch of incestuous cannibals. Because they would get together and they would call each other brother and sister, including like their husbands and wives. Like Jackie's my wife, but she's also my sister in Christ. And they'd be like, Gross. Well, what do you guys do for worship? Well, we get together and we, we drink Jesus' blood and we eat his flesh. And then we live forever. And because they didn't have 2,000 years of history normalizing that, they just thought, you are psychos. Because, and we just kind of need to acknowledge that sometimes. What we think is normal is not normal. Because what we're doing is in the present and through the eternal spirit who is doing things that count forever. In the midst of a culture that was born 150 years ago and will die who knows when but looks like soon. So we live in the eternal spirit which means everything we do means different than what it looks like. Because it counts for eternity. And our sense of meaning is different. And what we value is different. And how we live is different. Because we have the eternal spirit inside of us. And leading us. And now we are not just flesh bots. Trying to satisfy the latest pleasure impulse in our brains, like how the world likes to think of us, right? You were a monkey yesterday, you're a Google subscriber today, and tomorrow, who even knows what? You'll just be downloading your intelligence onto the internet so that Facebook can keep you online 24 hours a day for all of eternity. No, we're actually, because we're born again by the Holy Spirit, we're already citizens of heaven, living on earth, waiting for our inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth, and this is how we live. We live like death is our friend, because as soon as you die, you get to see Jesus' face. I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait! Knowing, though, that because Jesus is the Lord of life and death, we don't get to decide when we see him. That's not something you are allowed to try to control. But, but everything's changed for us. Which is why 
when what happened to Jesus is something that would provoke, just going back to the beginning, provoke mobs and provoke wrath and provoke burning down buildings. We don't do that. We worship. Because God was doing something eternal in the Holy Spirit in Jesus, not something in the flesh and human. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is my big idea. We have permission to be countercultural and supracultural and supra-historical. I'm using super big words here. Maybe somebody can guess if they know what I'm talking about. But we have permission to live like God is all that matters. Because we've been bought by Jesus who destroyed the way humans usually do life. By dying as an offering to God and then coming back from the dead. So that somehow torture and government murder is the best thing that's ever happened in human history. That one time. Not every time. Hello? But sometimes our brothers and sisters actually get tortured and murdered by governments. And it's a beautiful offering to God that spreads the church. Guys, we have family in prison this morning who have nothing to look forward to but death by starvation and a prize from Christ. But their lives aren't a waste just because they're not making the big bucks or doing the stuff that we would value or getting likes on Facebook. We will never even know their names, but they are heroes of the faith. Because they're, they're giving their lives as an offering to the Father through the eternal spirit. And it means different. And maybe you're like me. You feel like in your head it's always just a wrestle to try to remember what counts for Christ in the midst of a world that wants everything from you but to remember him. Sorry, I'm just pausing because I know where I need to end up. And I'm, I'm, my, G, my, my mental GPS is shot right now. So I'm thinking lots, is what I'm going to share with you. I'm just thinking lots about that call in Romans 12 to offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. That's what we're doing. And how that sounds nuts. That sounds so crazy, guys. Can you just try to think about Christians from a non-Christian perspective for a little bit? What are you doing? I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice. You're psycho. I just want to die for God in a way where I get to keep living so I can die for him more. What is wrong with you? Just need to cut, cut off the pumpkin spice lattes. Like you've had too many. There's something wrong with you. Thank you. And you know what? It would be a wasted life if Jesus never came back from the dead. 
but somebody who has died and was buried and came back and will live forever walked on the earth in the Middle East and breathed the air we breathe, even ate some fish. And so nothing's the same. Nothing's the same. And so, well, we'll skip to the end now. I love the book of Hebrews. It is really complicated. This little argument, okay, if, if this, this whole point that he's trying to make, it starts at the beginning of chapter 9, and we'll go to the end, which is near the end of chapter 10. Too wordy. It's too long, like these messages. So we're skipping to the therefore, but it's all based on this. That because Jesus has gone to heaven with his shed blood that brings us peace with God. Okay, I'm going to try to bring it down. Um, this, is, this is where I'm at. So I got a speeding ticket a few weeks ago. Have I talked about that from the front yet? Okay. Just for the other people, I was heading to Winnipeg, and I... In the innocence of my heart, I was going over that bridge by the train yards, and I thought it was a 90 zone there, so I had set my cruise control to 92. So I gave myself that little, like, sin, sin zone, like, two. <laughs> and uh, Jackie and I, 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 was, I was struggling with the message, so we were praying. <laughs> it's so funny, because I'm being spiritual. So we were praying... And I didn't see the 80 sign, but in my head, it was a 90 zone. And I got stopped. It was really good. It was old school. Like, the cop actually showed up for the ticket and pulled me over himself. It wasn't just one of those photo radar 20th century digital jobs. Like, someday they're just going to send us a picture of a satellite, you know, from a satellite. They'll be like, our satellites clocked you doing this thing. Like, why even live? Anyhow, um, That's funny. I just made a prediction. It'll probably happen in my lifetime is satellite speeding tickets. And it won't be Elon's fault. Anyhow, um, back to the real world. I got this ticket and I'm like, what, what, wasn't this a, a 90 zone? He says, not for two years. And I'm thinking in my head, I haven't driven this highway in two years. Have you never heard of COVID? Like I, I've been avoiding pit, Winnipeg like the plague because of the plague, you know, and... <laughs> But he didn't look in the mood to hear my excuses. I was getting that ticket no matter what. Anyhow, um, I haven't paid the ticket yet because of the timing. And so whenever I drive around, I feel extra, like, scared. Because I think if you get a ticket while you have a ticket, it's a bad ticket. They look at you and they're like, oh, a habit is forming, eh? We're going to nip this one in the bud. How about you walk all winter, you know? Just impound the car right there. So there's this sense of guilt I've got because of a speeding ticket I didn't deserve. But how wonderful if someone would come and take that all away and erase my record and give me all my merits back on my license so that I didn't have to pay any more to have my license and I could drive like a free man where all those little signs with the numbers on it are just a mild suggestion. (laughs) Like back in the 80s when I was born. It's just the tiniest thing, but that's what Jesus did. 
He found the way to take all the guilt so that you don't have to live with any questions about how God is feeling about you or thinking about you or wondering what's going to happen when you meet him face to face and grants to you through his righteous life all the merits you could ever get to reduce the cost of life. That's what he did for us. And so here at the end of this long argument, he's going to give us three things we can kind of look to to live like it's true because it is. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, so in this life through prayer and when we die, we're going to go to heaven by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Oh, there's so much going on here. That is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, number one, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Number two, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And number three, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together for post-Thanksgiving meals as is the habit of some. I know some of you were thinking about it. And if you want, Vince needs help with setup after the service next week. There, got it. I only forgot until the middle of the message. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're, let's tackle these things quick, but we'll go in the reverse order because sometimes it makes more sense to me to read the Bible backwards. Now you might remember many times ago I talked about how uh, human beings are like head, heads and hands and hearts. You have a head, which is where you do your thinking and your truthing. You have a heart, which is where you do your feeling, your wanting. You have hands, which stand for our ability to do stuff, change the world. And it seems to me like these recommendations also fit underneath that triperspectival way of looking at the Bible. Syllables. Oh, yeah. You cram a lot of those things together, you sound smart. Number one, the hand response to Jesus changing reality by offering himself up to suffering and death through the spirit so that his death does not provoke human wrath in the world but heavenly peace coming to the world let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works this is if you want a job from this message this is your job how can you help other people be more excited about doing good in Jesus' name how can you encourage people how can you say hey a lot of love we can do. Hey, there's some good works we can do here. This is like expressing the faith with action. There's something, and maybe this is how it looks. If you are filled with a spirit that was able to take torture and death and turn it into eternal life, maybe that same spirit can use you to do good things too. True fact? If you are believing that Jesus, I, this, I, sometimes my brain seems so useless. Every time we pray, we are singing to someone who was dead. Why is my faith so small? He was dead. So obviously, how much good you can do doesn't depend too much on you. 
Because you could be dead and God could still do some good works through you. True fact? Where's my shirt then? You can die and God do good works through it. Everything else is easier for him. So let's do some good works. Why don't you pray and ask God to help you do something good that's going to help other believers be excited about doing good things? Especially now when it can seem like you don't have permission from the world to, to do good. You're hemmed in. I'm, I'm still like not totally sure. I'm, I, I've got just like event post-traumatic stress disorder. You guys got to bear with me here. You know, in 2021, we were trying every single thing, every diff- different I- idea of how to get people together. And it all got canceled because they would change the rules for what you could do Friday for like a few months. Friday was the day when you found out how many people could come to church on Sunday. And I was just like, I quit trying to plan anything. <laughs> it's terrible. So, you know, I delegate other people to do that stuff now. Because <laughs> I wasn't doing a good job to start off with, but whatever. And then there's this call to not neglect meeting together because the believers in this letter were being um, attacked by their fellow city people because of their belief in Jesus. So they were, they were getting run out of houses. They were having their property seized by local authorities. They were, they were, and part of the plan, right, is to get it so you don't want to associate with your brothers and sisters who are being persecuted because you don't want the persecution to come to you too, Right? That's part of the plan when they pick somebody who's talking about Jesus and they, they shame them online and attack them online. And Every once in a while you need a Yeezy just to get up there and say something true because nobody else wants to be associated with saying true things on Twitter. And it's cool because it says, you know, the, the more you think the end is near, the more you think like nuclear Armageddon is the only possible option in the next little while, the more excited to encourage each other we're supposed to get, according to this. Because we know the God who knows how to turn disaster into revival. So that's the do. Meet together and try to help other people be excited for Jesus. Good? Practical? Okay. Do you have an excuse to not do that? Because even if you're dead, you could help people? It's crazy. How do you know why I say stuff? Number two, the head response. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I am tired of hearing about Christian leaders losing their faith. My goal in life is to have the exact same theology that I have today. When you come to my funeral, only better lived out. So, if you're wondering if I'm ever going to change what I think, no, I will just intensify it. Because when things get hard, the pressure is always, why don't we tweak our confession to make things a little easier? What did Jesus tweak in order to escape his tortured death? What did he stop saying? Nothing. 
So, knowing human nature and knowing the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit says to us through the word, when things get crazy in the eternal spirit who gave us an eternal book that lasts and counts until Jesus returns at least, just keep saying the truth. Because the God who wrote the book is 100% faithful to everything he's written in it. And if he failed Jesus by not raising him from the dead, then we could believe he might fail us. But if the Father raised Jesus from the dead while he was serving God in the Spirit, then we should assume the same thing will happen to us. So hold fast. Hold fast. Hold fast to the truth. And our heart response, which is where we get excited. Calvary's a heart church. True. It's just the truth. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. This has to do about our devotion and our love for Jesus and whether or not we believe it's true, not with our mouth and not even with like our hands and our rituals, but right down here in your knower. Do you know you have a you have a knower? Right? The gals typically know they have a knower. And it's just crazy. I think like because Jesus came back, because he went through what we would be full of rage and hatred with, but he went through it in love and forgiveness. Ah, Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's breaking the world. He's breaking the internet by offering his life to the Father as a living sacrifice and a sweet offering to him. Everything a God could do to win our trust, God has done. He's given us His Son, who is His delight and His image and His power. He's given Him to us without limit and without reservation. He's given us all His love and all His grace and His own name and heaven and life and death and power and the angels and everything. He's given it to us. It's all ours with suffering. So let's believe him. Let's believe him. Let's be fully assured and let's go to war against everything that gives us an evil conscience. Let's unassured. It's all lies. It's all useless. It's French kissing a zombie. It will do you no good in the long run and hurt you in the short run. It's just, just wrong. And the zombie isn't your friend. It's not going to stop with your tongue. So he says, you've got the best God ever. Believe in him. Give him your whole heart. You've been washed with his blood. Get rid of everything that makes you want to trust anything else more than Jesus. Because you're baptized. Speaking of which, 
wanting to have another baptism service, looking at January 1st, New Year's Eve, just putting that plug in. I kind of think sometimes, I wonder if people aren't baptized, what do they do with that verse? I would want to do everything I can to have all the verses count for me as much as they can. Open invitation in love. Okay, so I'm done. But we're going to worship. The band can start getting ready. I know that because of COVID and church splits, we don't trust each other at all anymore. And most of us would rather spend time with a golden retriever than a Christian. And I know because of Steinbeck and all the crazy culture here, most of us don't even want to trust pastors. Pastors have been the worst part of some of our lives. I get it. Can you please, brother and sister, give your life to the eternal spirit? Ask him to make every bad thing count like Jesus' death turned into resurrection power. Trust in him and not in me. Trust in him and not in man. And then let's obey with hope. Let's try to get together with the confidence that if we give Jesus our hearts, he can use us to make other people's faith better. Amen? Because I think it can happen. Let's put our confidence in what God can do in the future in his performance, not each other's performance. Please, not me. Like, literally, I fight my sin and I try my best, but I just know me. I would rather you trust Jesus. Please. I would rather you trust Jesus. Please. But as you do, he's going to tell you to love me. And everybody else here, too. (laughs) Guys, we get to worship in the Spirit.